Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. A warm good evening to you and welcome to Springboard, your virtual university. We thank God for your lives and for being with us on this journey. This is live from Digital Address GA 0993341. And tonight, as you matriculate into your virtual university, we would like to break down a subject that is of critical interest to every single one of us. Springboard is brought to you by Legacy and Legacy and your superstition joy 99.7 FM. We are proudly sponsored by Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank and MTN, the nation's number one network. Our print media support comes from the Business and Financial Times and the Graphic Business and I recommend both newspapers to you. In tomorrow's edition of the BFT, you will find an article on forgiveness versus forgetting which is more powerful forgiveness or forgetting and it's from our book the 101 keys to achievement and fulfillment when you read the article send me an email albert.okran at icloud.com let me find out from you which one is more powerful forgiveness or forgetting which is more difficult all right in tuesday's graphic business we'll feature a full transcript of tonight's interview with my two guests and so on behalf of the virtual academic board comfort matthew priscilla and Amos, let me thank you for joining us on joy 99.7 fm last week we began to break down the subject of the digital economy we began to ask ourselves whether technology was an enabler or a disruptor and right through the middle i mean we're divided in opinion because many said it was a disruptor and then some to say, but, but it's an enabler because it, it allows things to happen. The conclusion from our guest and from a couple of callers seemed to be that it can, it's a two-edged sword. Depending on what you do, it can enable productivity or it can also be a disruptor if you find yourself unprepared. Tonight, you push on from there and take out one of the big blocks of last week's discussion and break it down. Since we... Since last week Sunday, many of you have sent messages asking about those 12 pillars of the digital economy. You wanted them broken down in much more detail. Tonight, we dedicate the full show to breaking down these 12 pillars of the digital economy. My guests for tonight, Ken, I should be a regular here at, at Springboard. Ken is the CEO of the, the telecom chamber. Ken, welcome to Springboard. Thank you very much, Reverend. It's good to be here. It's a blessing, sir. Maximus, I'm going to go another, another favorite uh, variety on the show. Maximus, welcome. Thank you very much, Reverend. Right. So let's start straight away with the subject of the digital economy. Maximus, when somebody um, stumbles on a discussion about the digital economy and they ask, what exactly is the digital economy? What would be your layman ex- layman's expression of what the digital economy is about? So digital economy basically is a reformatting of the traditional economy using the power of technology. I love that. Yeah. Simple. <laughs> Reformatting. We once did a, 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 a presentation called Format and Reinstall. It ended up becoming our best-selling presentation on Facebook Live yeah. because people were excited about the idea of, of, of formatting old ways of doing things and reinstalling the new ways. And so mm-hmm. I think the, the, the nomenclature um, settled down very well with people. But Ken, when we talk about formatting, 
um, so that we replace it with a digital ways of doing things. You are very strong about things that should change. <laughs> so let me come to you about some of the things that you think are totally unacceptable in in, in, in today's very fast-paced economy. And what, what are the old ways of doing things that you think we need to really look at? I think for us in Ghana, it's the fact that we're not using data to drive the things that we do. You know, so we are still... Uh, try you know, as they say, you know, rather than being able to collect a lot of data, be able to analyze the trends that are happening, mm. see patterns, to be able to determine the way of delivering service, be able to solve problems. You see, at the end of the day, though the economy is, is, is not a digital economy, there's still economy in there, and there are two people that are still there. Somebody who has a problem that needs a solution, who is a human being, and also somebody who can provide the solutions. How are you able to use technology to be and change your processes, change the way you do things to be able mm-hmm. to do that? But the only, one of the ways that we have not done too well with is the fact that we don't take the data from the way things are going to be able to feed the input to change the way we do things mm-hmm. and be able to understand also the customer and understand the problem so that we're able to solve problems in a better way. That's one of the things that really dramatically, radically has to change. So you're saying that if I went to the average transport company today and then mm-hmm. ask them to give me the demographics of their their, uh, their patrons they wouldn't know which age bracket Mm. boards their buses to to Kumasi they wouldn't know whether males board more than females and so they would therefore not be able to utilize any relevant information for decision making at all so what they then we tend to do is see somebody do it and attempt to do it not understand the person who even started it does not understand it so when you get people who now are using insight in terms of you know typically the data you you you're talking about when do the people come who are the people who are coming who which people are getting down at particular points in time you know I, i went to barcelona and interestingly barcelona even have smart dustbins you know, they are collecting data even from the dustbin. So they are able to tell at what point this dustbin gets full. They are able to tell, you know, what is going into the dustbin and able to use that data to be able to even plan. Ghana, what will happen? The man will come and drive past. The dustbin might be full. It might not be full. You know, somebody might have it sitting down forever. They will not go collect it. And even so efficiency itself is a problem. Because in this digital market, what is going to happen is that your cost of doing business would have to be very, very low, as low as possible. You need to be efficient and effective. And all of that is going to ride on the back of data. So now with big data coming, with all the advantages of being able to uh, analyze data, also internet of things, where now connectivity is going to move from just the, the mobile phones to even your ear, your, your earphone that you're, wear, you're wearing, your watch that you wear, that everything is going to be connected. You're able to pull that data in and based on that, also artificial intelligence, so machine learning, all of that is happening. People are able to read patterns in this data and be able to take uh, decisions that are more effective, that are efficient and being able to deliver better services to the customer. Mm. Obviously, what we describe is a desirable end. It's something that we should all be be aspiring to. Before we begin to break down the 12 points that we will be settling on today, Mm. um, let's talk about what are the implications of our inability 
to use relevant data to make decisions? What's the, what are the implications of our inability to migrate rapidly enough onto the digital economy? Of course, it means that production cost is going to be very high and you are going to lose a lot of market okay, for your product and services because other people outside your geographical location will use technology to bring products to your customers without you knowing. If you are a shop even in a community, very soon delivery companies are going to do the work for maybe somebody who owns just a small warehouse somewhere and they can sell products and bypass your shop and deliver products to people's doorsteps and your shop will be closed down in no time because you don't have customers. Now, if if you, you don't collect data, you can't do predictive analysis. So you can't know what products you need to sell or what modifications you must made, make to existing products, right? So you lose out on that. Competition will beat you in fact, they'll beat you uh, radically, fair and, uh, fair and squarely, right? And in fact, taking business decisions will be difficult because you just be doing the trial and error, right? You don't know exactly which decision to take at what point in time because you don't have any clear data to give you a direction as to the next decision to take. And that is actually the first point on the 12 legs or 12 pillars of the digital economy. Yeah. And I'm glad that it came spon- uh, spontaneously because <laughs> the, the first of the 12 is knowledge-based. Mm-hmm. That means that the person who is engaging the public, the person who is selling a product, the person who is designing a product, the person who is interfacing with a media audience has adequate knowledge about what they are doing and mm-hmm. what and what they seek to achieve and what, what exactly. it will take to move from where they are to where they mm. want to be. Can where would you place us if I, I were to push you to say, in terms of knowledge based, <laughs> knowledge based, I mean, a, a, a rough percentage, your own assessment. I know, you see, yeah, what, what I, would I, you place I, us? I, it's difficult for me to do because I try to be data driven. You know, what would be my basis? But if I was just to, on the cuff, I'll say we're really not doing too well. So I would rather do a range and say that, you know, we're below average, you know. And But the interesting thing is a lot of young people are coming, a lot of n- new industries are coming who are using a bit of data. The media, so you find out if you come into the media, it is the people who are using data who are improving on their acts, you know, mm-hmm. doing things, you know. Um, there's a lot of data being collected, even for radio presenters and all of that. But a lot more needs to be done. So we're really not within that space. Unfortunately for us, now the consumer is also very knowledgeable. So within when we talk about knowledge, it's not just the fact that you are providing you to be knowledgeable, but also the consumer themselves are knowledgeable. Right. And unfortunately, to because of the web nature of the way businesses are being done this time, your customer might be using the service you're providing to also provide services for people. Mm. So they with a lot of knowledge. So if you're not providing that service for them, what you tend to find out is that they would find other ways of being able to get that. So I think that we need to be able to up the game. Everything has um, something that drives it. Everything has an, an enabler, a force, mm. um, a, a reason, mm. a, a motivation. What is driving Maximus? What is driving this, this desire, this quest for knowledge. I mean, surely people didn't like writing exams when we were in school. I mean, so <laughs> why, are they, why are they suddenly so so intent on acquiring knowledge? Because, I mean, I had a, a, a couple of medical practitioners here um, quite a while ago, and as we began to build up towards this year's team, I mean, one doctor was saying that 
you are very careful when you're in the consulting room because the, pa- the patient is sometimes even more informed about their condition <laughs> than you. They've read extensively about medications, contraindications, and so on. So you must mm. be very careful when you're talking. If not, the person will just totally embarrass you. Yeah. What is driving this quest for knowledge? Is it convenience? Is it, is it curiosity? What is it? I think it's convenience and, and curiosity at the same time because we know the well-informed you are, the better decisions you can take. You know, you are as wise as the level of knowledge that you have. And you can take very direct, clear uh, decisions when you have enough knowledge about the subject area. So if you're a business and you don't have the relevant knowledge, you know, sets, you can't take very clear uh, cut decisions that will will keep you in business or uh, put you ahead of the competition. Right. Right. So the drive to be better, the, the drive for more convenience and the drive to, you know, become more comfortable in life drives us to you know get acquire more knowledge about the various uh, areas of interest right. so that we can improve our, our status you talk about the drive to get better let me just take you off the tangent and and ask you who has impressed you in terms of innovation i mean let's 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 get very specific i walked into shop and save yesterday i saw emson's emson's a, a setup she had done in in a shop and save, and I was just quietly watching and, and smiling and saying, "These young people are making us proud. They are they are really daring to do things that um, previously were not even you, you couldn't even consider them." So I was particularly impressed by just that whole collaboration between. Um, Mabel Simpson and Shop and Save to set up a whole center within the shop mm-hmm. and have her own brand being promoted. Ken, who has impressed you in terms of innovation um, on, on the Ghanaian landscape? I, I, I would not go for a person, but I would want us to look industry. around the, exactly the fintech area and especially the, the payment area. What mm. is happening, you know, what is driving a lot of what is happening. Mobile money has completely changed the way business is being done. And you're having Ghanaian businesses coming up with schemes mm. that are driving, you know, change in a very fast pace to the extent that, you know, card is even being threatened. You find companies <laughs> like MasterCard no more, you know, really looking at them as card companies, but now as payment system because exactly. of the revolution that is happening within that particular space. You know, now you have people who can sit anywhere and be able to say and still be able to. You know, an interesting thing has happened. QR codes, we started it at graphic inputting. Now, mm-hmm. you know, payment system, Visa, MasterCard are looking at payment, you know, using QR codes. Right. And now they're, they're, they're using it to drive business in such a way that it is the same way like the way you take money from your pocket. It doesn't matter whether it's a bank account, it's a mobile money account which mobile money industry it's coming from you know it's t- so there's there's a lot of ha- happenings in that direction and an interesting thing i find out we've been talking about uh, interoperability and some of the conversations when you have these conversation you know with Ghanaian and, and, and it's normally the young people within even mm-hmm. the telcos you yeah. know and even gives as well what driving some some very interesting and fast-paced things that are being done that with a bit of policy support and all of that within that space, um, the payment space that is facilitating other businesses from happening. A lot of great interesting things are going to happen in that space. Let me come to you, Maximus, and ask you the same question. In- innovation, yeah. who has, who has what, what development has caught your attention? I mean, Ken talks about payment systems. I can tell you that this weekend, I've just felt the, the, the beauty of, of how a payment systems a payment system works and I keep referring to four years ago when somebody said to me Ghana will never never embrace payment systems because <laughs> just, we are just not we are just not digitally I, I mean uh, uh, 
inclined. Yeah. And, and I was talking about MPSA in Kenya, and the person mm. said it won't happen. I mean, mm. and I just looked at this weekend the number of transactions, I mean, to a barber, mm. to sports, mm. I mean, yeah, yeah. different things. Mm. And mm. just the convenience mm. of just crossing your mm. leg and using your Ekobank mobile app to do things. Mm. For me, it's, it's almost like this is the life. Yes. <laughs> yeah, was, I was, think was it, it, I, I will go for the, the same payment. Uh, space and then add a Greek to to it. So a couple of young guys are developing products for the Greek sector, mm. and they are collecting a lot of data and gleaning them with you know uh, artificial intelligence and coming out with insights and and informing the the farmers to take very crucial uh, agri- agricultural decisions for to, to to increase their yield. Really, now in the in the in the payment sector. For me, what is going to happen is that traditional banks are going to suffer, really, because when the interoperability happens, what is going to happen is that even though we may have banks, Bank of Ghana may decide that we will come up with an uh, operating system for payment and the need for banks will also not be there. So that Bank of Ghana is going to run every payment. So authoritatively. Exactly. And we are going to have a bankless banking sector. We are are not just moving cashless because (laughs) that's what is going to happen. Most of the banks are now cutting down costs. They are reducing the number of branches. They are digitizing. It means that as you digitize, your digital system has to sit on the Bank of Ghana's legal system and operational system. And when they do that, it means now you may not need even the banks to do it because they can run it from their system because of automation. So the innovation is coming at the speed of light and it's coming like a tsunami. <laughs> now, taxi drivers can collect payment. Anybody who has a mobile phone now has a bank account. So you can just move money in real time to those people. And that's going to transform a lot of sectors. Right. Is going to happen very Somebody soon. Somebody says if you can't beat them, join them. So what do you say to the fact that the banks have migrated no, very the rapidly? The team is reducing, so... <laughs> but, but I think, but the, you know the interesting thing? It's the banks who stay as banks this time that would get missing. The <laughs> banks that are also changing, you know, right. and moving with the time. I just give you an example of uh, uh, MasterCard, you yeah. know, who are deciding that they realize... Because, you see, we're in a time of frugal coalition. So what is yeah. going to happen is that you're going to have various partners, so the banks are going to change the way they do their things, Mobile is going to drive, is going to become the platform on which a lot of things are going to go. Even the card people are going to change the way they do their things. So it's just like newspaper. People talk about newspaper dying. It's the newspapers who stay as newspapers who are going to die. But those who innovate, those who are forward thinking and realize the fact that it's now not just, just about the value chain. When now they talk about value chain, you actually have to be adding value to that value chain. Otherwise, you're not going to benefit from it. So the banks will be there, but then it will have to be a different setup. From what I you do, let's move on to I, I, let's move okay. on to let's move on to integration because right. what what you describes a situation mm. where you realize that business models are changing very rapidly, and I see many companies faced with these rapid developments, integrating, collaborating with other players to deliver outcomes and to deliver the things the consumer is looking for. Quality, lower prices, convenience, speed. And so, how does collaboration play in all this, Maximus? Yeah, I think I I, I want to even give uh, examples. Now, utility services. (laughs) Every bank you walk to, they provide that service. That's integration, right? Customers can 
pay make payment just via their phones to straight to their meter. So now they have smart meters that you receive real time power, you know, consumption right. uh, 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 what do you call it records. It's left with the district assemblies and their collection <laughs> their collection of property rates. I, I, how, I, I think we're going to get there. You see, with, with, the, with the introduction of the teen numbers and all that, mm. we're going to be able to get people's phone numbers hook it to their teen numbers. Then when your address, your physical, uh, I would call it house address, is added to it, you pay property taxes. And that's where it's going to be. In fact, based on that Integration is going to power automation. Now, when it happens, you're, you pay your property rent directly from your account. So you can't say you don't have money because they are going to do a standing order. Right. So that's what that is what <laughs> is called immediacy. Exactly. <laughs> right. Okay, let's talk about immediacy. I mean, we've, talked, we've done integration. Let's talk about immediacy. No, but I just mean, let me, can, you, can you imagine a mobile service provider partnering with a utility company right. such that now ut- electricity is provided mobile? Yeah. It's wireless, you know. So what has happened is that you have in uh, spaces like Nigeria and in Cote d'Ivoire, MTN partnering with um, a, a solar generation company and using the fact that now you can either pay by mobile money or you can pay by uh, your airtime to be able to serve you with electricity mobily. So it's now become wireless. That is a form of integration and a collaboration. That, but immediately, it's another thing that the young people want now you know we have children who now all they know they've they know internet via mobile they didn't know what me and you the dial-ups that we used to do no they knew that we still remember (laughs) you know but what they what they know now is that once they log on they would be able to see you 5g is going to come latency is even going to reduce Mm. so now you would be able to if you um uh, Reverend, you are the expert surgeon, and I am not. Maybe I'm just uh, a new surgeon. I would be able to work with you using IoT and all of that to be able to do complex surgeries here. I'm not going to wait for you. It's going to happen immediately. You're not going to come down to be able to do it. Things now, when I want this, I want it now, and I want it the way I want it. You know, you talk about nuclearization as well. So we are moving from mass customization into more intricate things where the thing has to be customized to the way I really want it, how I want it, when I want to take it, almost immediately. So that is really going to drive a lot of the things that are being done. That when I want it, it should be there. I'm not going to wait and say, okay, you're going to come and say, new set or, or, or uh, spring file, uh, springboard is happening. No. Adam wants it at a particular time. That is when he has to get it. So you now need to get technology to be able to provide it for him the way he wants it and how he wants to do it. And that, and that, that is a topic I will, I, will, I will pick up when we come back from this commercial break. Presumption. One of my mm. favorites of all the 12 mm. is presumption. But before I go to that one... Um, I'll tell you something very interesting that happened, and and you talk about you talk about changes in consumption patterns and and immediacy and and then molecularization, mm-hmm. and and you make it sound very technical, but really it's about the person being able to see this is. I mean, these are my peculiar needs, and yeah. and so I had a call from somebody in the banking sector who said, so we have we have we have our, our new executive collection, our three books, a thousand and one mm-hmm. tips for an outstanding life, mm-hmm. and then we have a hundred and one keys to achievement and fulfillment, and then we have speak like a pro, mm-hmm. and we've driven these books apart from um, on Amazon.com largely by 
Another one is book nook, mm-hmm. and people just can call, and then the book will be delivered to them in the convenience of their office mm-hmm. or home. And I had a very funny experience where somebody called and said, "It's not just that he wants a book; he's also telling you which digital expressions of your work that he wants. He wants a, a, an older copy of this Springboard production. Then he wants your message at the, the global convocation of Springboard. So you sent him some by WhatsApp. You showed him where to find the other ones, and then the book too was sent to him, and he paid for it. And the man is a very satisfied client. And I'm saying, some time ago, he will go to a traditional book mm-hmm. shop. And he will get there and find right. out that two of the books are there, one is yeah, not there. Yeah. And he will he wouldn't even know what to do. But now he knows how to find a cocktail of me He might want a particular chapter from here, another yeah, chapter from here, put, and then he put his book together. That's what yeah. he wants to do. He probably will read one chapter here today, <laughs> second chapter, another one. It's just <laughs> such a beautiful world. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you about presumption because I found out that just for the global convocation message at Springboard mm. on the night of on the night of the convocation 5,000 people had watched it on Albert Albert any Okran Comfort Okran mm. A um, Joy Joy FM Joy 99 um, 997 FM and then MTN.com MTN Facebook page sorry these are the four pages that it was trending on and mm. by the evening of the convocation 5,000 people had watched that particular Keynote address, the Wooden House of Troy, and the Dr. Table's keynote address. As at today, over half a million people have watched it. Yeah. That means that they are watching it when they want to watch exactly. it. <laughs> when I come back from this break, we'll talk about what presumption means, not just for the consumer, but from the, for the marketer. Please don't exactly. go away. All right, so Ecobank Mobile app. We want to introduce the all new Ecobank Mobile app. Download the app today and send money fast to 33 countries and pay your bills with the tap of a finger. No bank account. No worries. Open an EcoBank Express account instantly and instantaneously on your mobile phone. No forms and no account handling fees to pay ever. Download the new app today and enjoy the new digital experience. In fact, for, to sponsor the, 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 the virtual investment, you must be digital. <laughs> the EcoBank Bar apps are available on the Google Play Store and the App Store. EcoBank is the Pan African Bank. And talking about MTN, Charlie said, taking over this thing, you deserve to win amazing prizes in the MTN 4G taking over promo. Keep doing what you love on MTN 4G. Yes, text more, browse more, talk more, do more Momo transactions, and you could be the lucky one to move into that Porsche two bedroom house, drive home one of the four sleek Hyundai cars every month, win cash prizes, enjoy. Super fast 4G on that iPhone 8, Samsung S8, or win loads and loads of airtime. It's your chance to take over. Just switch to MTN 4G today and get 10,000 bonus points to start. Now, dial star 120 hash for more details. You too can take over with the MTN 4G taking over promo. MTN everywhere you go. This promo is for 4G customers on MTN only and terms and conditions definitely do apply. Let me bring you a message from Ecobank and MTN. How we come back, let's pres- let's talk presumption, production and cons- consumption of information. Where you want it, how you want it, install on the comfort of your of your phone. Please don't go away.
Move on up, 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 Moving on up is paying from your phone and getting looks of approval from your friends. Moving on up is doing all your banking from your bathroom like a boss. Moving on up is losing your wallet, but your money is still safe. Moving on up is attaching any bank's card to the Echo Bank mobile app. Oh yeah, download the Echo Bank mobile app. Make we go and bank like a boss. Move on up with Echo Bank, the Pan African Bank. My name is Richard Agala. I am a testimony to that, and I've actually received my mobile money beep telling me that my 5,000 CD cash award is on my wallet. My name is Charles Banker, and I just won it when that ascent on the MTN taking over promo. This one, no. We believe in all of all of us, so we should keep texting, keep browsing, use the MTN mobile money. MTN taking over, we're taking over everywhere. Yo, Ucha India, Ucha Switch, you call MTN 4G. Now, yet you are here. Now, sign take you over. I tell you, the floor, two bedroom house, brand new cars from Hyundai, 4G enabled devices, and the cash prices way above my. Yo, the guy, Machi Dolo, Charlie, Usu take you over. It is 17 minutes in the hour of 8 o'clock. I, I just love the way that guy talks, Joe Charlie. <laughs> you have to love him. It is 17 minutes in the hour of 8 o'clock, and this is Springboard Virtual University. We're talking about the digital economy, and a good evening to Reverend PJ Markway. Today is your birthday. Enjoy this one. Earlier on, I played two songs by Joe Metal. He won three awards at the Ghana Music, the, the Vodafone Ghana Music Awards. Um, and, uh, enjoy this one as well, Joe Metal. Congratulations to you for for that for those awards let me bring on regina honu of sorunkun academy she's doing some amazing stuff one of the young people who's really lifting the bar uh, with innovation and with, with with exciting things in the it space regina good evening hello Reverend good evening it's been a while i i doing well i'm doing fine thank you fantastic when should i come and learn coding tomorrow you can come tomorrow First thing tomorrow morning, I'll see you. <laughs> please, please, I'll be expecting you. So let's talk about the digital economy, and you particularly are, are in the area of enabling people who otherwise are disadvantaged to get access to these services and these these ideas and solutions. How has it been so far? <sighs> so it's been quite a challenge because the first issue is, you know, changing mindset you know people are kind of set in their ways and getting them to understand and appreciate their value and sort of bringing like real life examples of how you know the digital economy is coming to everybody no matter where you are so i mean there's a lot of work that we need to do to get them to understand the value to get them to understand that it's not magic <laughs> you know it's going to affect them and they have to change they, they don't have any option it's definitely going to happen but so far we're making progress so we're happy about that what accounts for what accounts for this inertia that you describe? Is it is it the traditional? Is it the way we're brought up? Is it is it is it a certain fear of technology that was in, inculcated in our uh, early socialization or what? I think it's a it's a mixture of things. So I think the first thing is even our educational system and how you know things run on rote memorization and sort of that true empowerment. So people are kind of used to having information that you know they just have to memorize. So once the information keeps changing, it's dynamic, you have to really think about it and apply yourself. That's where the first challenge comes. The second issue I think is that is that most people feel like, oh, we're not there yet, or they don't have the skills to do it, or it's something so advanced. 
you know so that's the other issue that we have to work on get people to know that look it's it's not as advanced and it's all about using your own creativity and thinking outside the box so come out of that sort of set mind where you are just used to being fed some information and then you just reproduce what you've you've been said so now the in the in the new system you have to kind of apply the different things that you've learned to solve a particular problem let me let me let me put you on the spot if 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 you wanted to demystify um computers the digital economy mobile telephony and and all these technologies to um, a young person or a child at what age must a child have access to devices well i mean if you talk to the expert they say Children should not get any sort of media time before they are two years old. I beg to differ um, because I think um, with the Generation X or the Millennials, they are getting access to devices early on. So my daughter is 15 months old, and when she interacts with the phone, she knows that because the screen is touched, she just uses one finger. And I don't even know how she figured that out. Um, she watches some animations on my phone um, when, like, I need her to be a little preoccupied as I'm doing something else. And she enjoys that engagement. And now, you know, with all the cartoons, there's some type of learning exchange, interactive. Like, for example, when you watch Dora, Dora goes on an adventure, and then Dora will ask a question on the screen. So which one do I have to do? Then, you know, there's a little pause. And then I'm sure kids that are older will respond. My daughter can respond now, you know, but I'm sure as she gets older, she will. So even now, the cartoons are more interactive. So I think as early as possible, because they are going to be in front of some type of device as they are growing up, and it's better that they understand, you know, how to navigate in that world. Regina, promise me that you will make time to drop by the studio one of these days so we talk about children and, and, and that aspect of engaging with technology, the next generation. I would love to do that. Consider it done. We'll do a show fully on that. But give my warm regards to that 15-year-old whiskey that you have in your house. 15 months old, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. I thank you. Right. So Regina Honu is the CEO of Sronko Academy. She teaches coding. She, she's driving the agenda from from her own own angle. And she talks about the, the challenge as well as also the opportunity that it, it represents. Ken, let's come back into the... Um, into the digital economy. Obviously, it's something that we want to keep driving and discussing until it is demystified and people don't fear it anymore. Can you imagine 15-month-old child with access to devices? You, you, you're nodding your head. Yes, yes. You know the interesting thing? <laughs> I saw a picture of a baby who had a magazine and you know what she was trying to do? She looked at the magazine and she thought it was a digital device so she was actually trying to zoom in the picture. Oh. You know, so, you know, so as they say, <laughs> you know what I mean? The kids that are coming out today, that's, that's, it's in their DNA even as they get out. So you even give them an analog thing, they want to treat it digitally. So you better start preparing for them. As I say, a lot of these kids will not know the things that you know. So even the older folks, look at it. They're adopting Twitter even, you know. So it's changing. The phobia really is changing. So if you're sitting there, that's why for me, anybody who says, sees it as a disruptor, you need to take the technology and disrupt yourself. One of the things I say to people is that you either eat yourself, you either disrupt yourself or you'll be eating up. Mm. And that has to be the thing that should drive what it is that we're doing. Because the young people who are coming, they know mobile phones, they know fast food, they know everything. So they need, you need to be at the forefront of that to be able to provide that to them. Let, let's, let, let me ask you a question, Maximus. Uh, mm-hmm. Before I come to presumption, which will be my closing team, let me ask you a question about 
the biggest phobia that parents have when you when you tell them about introducing their children to devices they think two things they will either complain that children will play too much with them which is true um or they will say that they, there's a potential for abuse pornography or material that is not suitable for them what would you tell such parents it's a genuine concern and yet when the children get the devices to they are exposed early enough to some of these technologies and they, therefore their the fear is taken away early how do you marry the, the opportunity as well as also the concerns that parents have I think the, the, you see, the concern is legitimate but depends on how you you bring up your children right you don't need di- digital pr- platforms for children to be uh, interested in porn because if, if they, they have magazines or books they will still do it so you don't you don't need that but you need to tell them the right things to do the wrong things not to do the, the do's and don'ts of content consumption really and then comes to interaction they need to you need to have maybe a family you need to have a family digital policy the number of times you can have access to a device the number of uh, minutes you can spend on a device you know yeah those kind of policies and family time physical time and then online time and all that so you need to have the blend and of course teach the children the dangers of the internet and us against the the positives of it let me settle on my 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 pet subject presumption so uh, everybody wants to i mean i was having a discussion with somebody about netflix and about the the emerging offerings that allow you to consume consume media forms when you want to consume them and not scheduled so it's not like <laughs> even for springboard is scheduled on sunday at seven there's somebody who's waiting on facebook who i mean i was saying that i was uh, for instance we have people in australia who before we got um we got to blending or um operating on different platforms had to stay up and this this is almost 10 minutes to seven yeah. um in that part of the world, 7 a.m. The person is getting ready to go to work, yes. but they would have had to stay up at dawn to participate in the program. Now they know that they can just go to work and come back and, uh, and when, they are, when they are ready, mm. consume it um, when they want to. What does this um, present opportunities, um, presumption presents both to consumers and then also to producers? Yeah, for consumers, you see, for consumers, they it's about their preference, their convenience, and their choice, right? So we have different types of types of content. So the real-time content, which means that the time value of that content is in the, the immediacy of the delivery. And then the other one is another format where you consume that particular content and the value of it is not dependent on the immediacy of it, right? So if you are running maybe a media house, when we talk about news, news is about real time, right? As and when it happens. But when you are doing other content like entertainment or sports or movies, for example, if you're talking about movies, even though we have the real time aspect of it, there's also, you know, the on demand aspect of that. So I can, I can decide that, okay, maybe 6 to 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. is my movie time. So even though the movie is released maybe in the morning, I can watch it at, uh, around that time, right? But if you have a TV programming that says, so we have a movie at 10 p.m., when I have to wake up the following morning to go to work. I will not have the time to do that. I can watch it on the go or anywhere I am. And I can select any movie's preference that I want. No advertising because I've I've, I've subscribed to a a particular platform. So you don't interrupt my experience with adverts, right? So now 
consumers are having more convenience in platforms that do not are not scheduled for example the platforms that they have personalized content schedules so you see a lot of cable you know uh, content providers struggling and that is the reality so it's time they also go mobile they go digital and less programming they leave the programming to the the consumers and then they focus on news delivery for real time as against the entertainment content for the consumers to decide let's let's come to the marketing let's come to the marketing and to close let's find out what what does this mean for the person in marketing all that you discussed today presumption even the knowledge-based um economy but especially presumption what does it mean for the marketer ken well so you see so now it is the uh, consumer as part of the production mm-hmm. so he he wants to feel it because he wants to know it a particular way so the need to understand your consumers is going to be critical you know, don't be surprised that for somebody, the way they consume Springboard is graphic business. That's that's yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, he, yeah, you know. Yeah. And it goes back to that idea: somebody called, some, somebody hot, somebody called, somebody nine days in the port. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> your understanding of even now the consumer itself, from the marketing point of view, to be able to give him an offering has to be more intimate and intricate. You know, and you need to know him to the point of. Where does he want the product? When does he want the product? How does he want the product? What does he want to do to the product? Mm. You know what I mean? And all of that is then going to take for people who are doing marketing. They also need to come into the digital space and be able for them. Data is going to be critical because now... And you know the interesting thing is now means that everybody has to be in marketing. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to now be customer centric because it's not just the technology that is driving the things, but it's more the customers who are deciding how and how they want it. And sometimes it is about knowing what the customer wants now, or even being able to base on you know your insight, being able to predict the way the customer will want it, so that mm-hmm. you can have the like the Apple experience where we did not even ask for that, but it was given to us, and there was an alignment because. That is really where we want to get to. And so that's what is going to happen to all marketers. And, you know, the inhibitions are completely now not there anymore. You know, and some and another thing that marketers need to now learn is that your competitor that you ha- you knew in the past is completely gone. Now, there's a lot of collaboration that has to happen. In Absolutely. the past, you found out that uh, mobile operators were competing with satellite operators. But now you see some, you know, frugal co- uh, collusion happening to the extent that to be able to provide um, uh, affordable uh, telecommunication in rural areas and with agility, you find mobile operators o- uh, partnering with telecom, uh, with satellite uh, companies. So those are some of the things that are going to happen. And we need to find a way of operating, you know, in a new paradigm, you know, because you look at and, and a tip, another thing that is happening now is that if you look at the likes of uh, Uber and um, the company that does not have any real estate, but is the biggest Airbnb, Airbnb you know, so you another thing that you want to do is that as much as possible, you want to even use your customers as merchants, you know, in the new economy that we, we find ourselves and all of that has to be driven from a marketing and, an, uh, and a customer insight point of view. 
next week is a show you don't want to miss because next week we're going to take this last week we, br- we brought the, the, the 12 pillars mm. today we are discussing the interconnectivity between those 12 pillars mm. and I can tell you this we've discussed all 12 without enumerating them <laughs> and that was the whole idea <laughs> that we, we weave between them from beginning to end without necessarily saying one, two, three, four, five, and mm. that, that interconnectivity itself is a statement of how they are separate <laughs> but they are connected <laughs> now next week we're going to be even more interesting because now we'll take industry by industry mm. or we'll mm. take an aspect of our different aspects of our lives mm. and talk about how these changes or these new developments have totally transformed how they operate so for instance we'll talk about sports Mm. Mm. We'll talk about governance. Yeah. Mm. We'll talk about engineering, mm. retail, church, education, design, transport. Yeah. And then we'll talk about how these new d- platforms of the digital experience have totally changed it. And really, nice. as we begin to build this thing, it's also going to build up ultimately towards the festival of mm. ideas mm. where you will sit down and for the first time, I mean, not, not, not for the first time, but in the festival of ideas we'll talk about monetizing these developments because how do you use these ideas to generate income and how do you Mm. find new ways of generating income for a business that is flustered Mm. by all these overwhelming changes and that is where we ultimately build up to but coming up next to work with jesus and the topic is after saying i do with reverend dr ajay mensa and mrs flora saki and the host is pastor atuakwa before i go let me come to you ken let me ask you a personal question. Which of the touch points of customer experience is the most, the dearest to your heart? Is it the cost of the service? Is it the quantity of the Yokagari? Is it the speed with which it is served? Is it the convenience? Is it health and safety? Which of the touch points of the customer experience personally matters to you the most, Ken? Well, let me disappoint you. It's all of that woven together into the experience. Ken, I know it's all of them, <laughs> but which one? <laughs> it's all of that woven into the experience. So at the end of the day, it is the experience. And unfortunately, the experience is made up of all of that and more. Next week, we talk about the experience. <laughs> which, of the, which of them? I'll go for convenience because the others fit into the same thing. So I'm getting safety, I'm getting the health, I'm getting convenience. I think it's facing to I can tell you what, convenience is the most popular by a wide mile. It's also the most irresistible because if you ignore it, your business model will crash. Yes, exactly. It's exactly 8 o'clock. I want to say a big thank you to you for joining us in the show. My name is Albert Okran and on behalf of Comfort, Matthew, Priscilla and Amos, I would like to say a big thank you to Maximus and Ken Ashby for joining us tonight. So we come away again next week with the Digital Economy. My name is Albert. God bless you. God bless you and God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus two three three two four. Nine 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 zero zero zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. Oh,